Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Richmond, and this episode is going to focus on some exciting news out of Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. As many of you may have heard, the Georgetown McDonough School of Business recently announced the introduction of an online MBA offering. This makes McDonough just one of a handful of leading MBA programs to enter the online domain. The pandemic, the popularity of McDonough's part-time Flex MBA, and the success that the school has had with a couple of other online master's offerings in finance and business analytics all have led to this exciting step. Of course, I know there's a lot more to it, and I have a number of questions about how the online program will be structured. So I've asked an old friend of the show to join me for a discussion, and her name is Shelley Heinrich, and she is the Associate Dean for MBA admissions and director of marketing at Georgetown McDonough. Shelly's actually been on the Clear Admit podcast a few times and beyond her role in admissions and marketing, I should mention that she holds an MBA herself from McDonough as well as a master's in education from UT Austin. Welcome Shelly. Hi Graham, so glad to be back on the show. Looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, it's great to have you. Now I will mention Shelly that when you agreed to come along, the first thing you said is, can I bring someone with me? And that someone happens to be uh, Prashant Malavia. And for those of you who don't know, Prashant is the Senior Associate Dean of MBA Programs at the McDonough School. And he has an incredible CV that includes teaching stints at McDonough, Wharton, INSEAD, Kellogg, as well as a PhD in marketing from Kellogg. So of course, Shelley, when you mentioned that, I said, yeah, of course, <laughs> why not? Right. Um, so I want to welcome Prashant. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Shelley, and thank you for having me on your show, Graham. It's a pleasure. Yeah, pleasure is totally mine. Um, so I really appreciate you both making time today to talk about this news. If you don't mind, I want to dive right in. Um, I have a number of questions here that I wanted to get to. So let's start with you, Prashant. Would you be willing to just tell me a little bit about the current kind of Flex MBA program, just as kind of a baseline here for our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, so the current uh, Flex MBA program came into existence in 2019, uh, but it is actually uh, a new reincarnation of the original uh, part-time MBA program that we launched back in 2005. Uh, and at that time, it was named the Evening MBA program. So the Evening MBA program ran from 2005 through 2019. In 2019, we added the Flex, M we rechristened it as a Flex MBA program, primarily because the market was telling us and we adapted to the market by making the program a lot more flexible and no longer offering just evening programs, but also weekend programs, week-long programs, online, a few online electives, some hybrid electives. So together, it became very obvious to us that we need to uh, brand it in a way that communicated what the program was doing. And so that led to the uh, creation and launch of the Flex MBA. Uh, and now we are in uh, year three uh, of that uh, Flex MBA program and looking to uh, evolve it even further, which is really a reflection of uh, the rapid pace at which the education market is changing and an equally rapid pace with which we as uh, leaders of educational institutions are being asked to respond to the changes in the marketplace. And obviously some of those changes have been precipitated by COVID, but there have been many other factors that are driving the changes that led to the creation of the Flex MBA and now to the new uh, incarnation of, of the Flex MBA, including the economy, changes in the, in the needs of, of our prospective uh, part-time MBA students, the, uh, the, the role that many of our local 
education providers in the DC area are, are now playing and the kinds of programming they are offering. So all of that led us to, uh, you know, moving in the new direction that we are now headed towards. Got it. Yeah, thanks for that kind of background. I guess I want to follow up and, and ask Shelly a question that's very much related. And, that, and, you know, Prashant, you just kind of alluded to this, but I'm wondering, Shelly, how have the needs of part-time students evolved pre- and post-pandemic since you've been watching this in, from the admissions office for a few years now? Yeah, well, you know, for those interested in a part-time MBA, work-life balance has been key. You know, people are juggling long hours. They're juggling commuting families. Um, they're moving around in their career, but those people have educational goals um, and they don't necessarily want to take time out of their career to do a full-time program. So, you know, online educational programs started to pick up, online educational MBA programs started to pick up before the pandemic, but fast forward a couple of years, there's many companies and many people that are still working remote, you know, and have been and don't plan to perhaps go back to the office for a few years. And so as we start to understand that um, people are still competing with all these work-life balance needs, they're maybe uh, living and not commuting into the office, they still have educational goals, um, how do we meet them where they need to be and deliver a program that still has the same caliber as, a, as, as our pre, a pre-pandemic MBA, um, but is more flexible for their now post-pandemic work-life balance? So that's a little bit how, you know, how it's changed. And, and also, you know, people are more comfortable navigating the online space. They, you know, they're doing it for work. They're doing it for social events. You know, they've dipped into it a little bit for education and professional development. Um, and we've learned a lot, too, as educational institutions. So what has become possible now and what we've become better at now, uh, you know, maybe wasn't the same a few years ago. Got it. So can you tell me a little bit about, I mean, just kind of taking all this into account, can you tell me a little bit about how, how did you decide to launch the online cohort for this program? Because that's a big step and, it, you know, that's the exciting news here. But yeah, how did you guys come to that decision? Yeah, I mean, Georgetown, we had always, when we launched the Flex MBA, uh, we always had planned to continue to evolve it to be more flexible, right? So we launched it in 2019, um, but knew that as we proceeded through the years, it would become more flexible. And even then, we knew that a potential goal was to move to an online cohort. And so this is the realization of the goal that we had when we launched the Flex MBA. Um, I think the pandemic accelerated it a little bit. But also, we have learned as an education how to still deliver the quality program and still provide the access to community and the cohort that, uh, that people have come to know about the Georgetown MBA. Uh, I think one of the things we didn't want to do was risk the, you know, the quality or risk allowing people to continue to network, build community, build a cohort. And so through a, a task force that was created throughout the pandemic, we really uh, dove into those issues of how do we deliver more flexibility? How do we deliver it online virtually, but do so while retaining the strengths of the program? And that was something we didn't want to sacrifice. We also knew that there was going to end up becoming two groups of people, people that you know, even post-pandemic wanted to come back in person. They still wanted that in-person educational experience because it works best for them. But there was going to be, and so that's why we've kept the, the, um, the Flex MBA in person. We will still allow people to apply and complete the program uh, on campus. But we knew there had developed a new group of students who, for whatever reason, um, 
weren't now going to be able to come into campus. You know, perhaps they moved away from the city, they moved to more rural areas. Perhaps their work-life balance childcare situation had just changed. Um, or perhaps they always wanted to come back and, you know, uh, attend a Georgetown MBA or attend a Georgetown graduate program, but just weren't in proximity. We knew that those people were out there. And so thus we decided to make two distinct cohorts, the online cohort and the, and, and still retain the in-person cohort as part of the, the, Flex, the Flex online launch. Got it. So Prashant, would you be willing to actually chime in here? I wanted to understand a little bit more about this decision to keep the on-campus cohort. I mean, it's really interesting. I think, you know, Shelley makes a great point about how there are these two different types of um, candidates out there for these programs, but it's it's innovative in that, you know, we see a lot of kind of pure online, you know, programs, and it's rare to see this kind of combination. So yeah, just take us through the decision to kind of continue to offer it in these two flavors, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Shelley uh, touched upon it uh, exactly the way we thought of it, which is that there are two segments that we identify. There's a segment that is keen on a high-touch, high-experience education, which is our on-campus segment. There's a segment that is uh, interested in a high-quality, uh, but also high-flexibility educational experience, and that's the online segment. So, Given that these are, there are slightly different needs of the two groups of uh, segments we identify, it made complete sense to us to essentially offer two products to the marketplace. One that is the on-campus uh, product and the other that is the virtual online product. And so, uh, you know, it, it, an important question is to ask, uh, which is, will the size and the composition of these two different segments evolve with time? And so right now, we believe uh, we have a stronger interest in the local uh, DC area for the in-person uh, education experience. So we believe we will be able to sustain two cohorts of the in-person class. Um, and the uh, online uh, cohort will be smaller than that, and we will sustain one uh, cohort of that. Um, but I could well imagine in three years' time, that would flip. Hmm. And we might end up having two sections of the online cohort and only one of the in-person. Yeah. So I think, you know, what this model also gives us strategically from a long-term perspective is the strategic flexibility of saying we can change the composition of the number of in-person versus the number of online cohorts that we offer so that we are immediately responding to the needs and changes in the marketplace. So that strategic goal was also important. Uh, and, and there's you know, another strategic goal that was uh, really important for us when we thought about this online cohort, which is you know, if you roll the clock forward 10 years or 20 years down the road, I mean, really think uh, of the long term, I have zero doubt that we will be do playing a lot more in the online education market. The needs of the students, the needs of our corporate partners, will require us to be a lot more nimble and a lot more comfortable in delivering high quality online education. And so we need to develop an internal capability with our faculty, with our staff, to deliver high quality education in this virtual environment. And so part of the, you know, one sort of broader reason for McDonough to uh, jump into the Flex online cohort is to 
help build a, a, a broader capability for the entire school and not just for the MBA program. So there were you know, a, a few important strategic reasons that we thought would be important for us to keep in mind as we made the decision to jump into this online uh, cohort. Got it. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you make a great point about just being nimble in terms of being able to shift and pull those different levers with respect to the number of online versus in person. And I absolutely agree with you. I mean, you know, the world over knows of kind of the Georgetown University brand. And so I could see there being a lot of interest in an online offering and that that cohort growing um, into more than one and, and beyond over time. Um, I did want to ask you a follow up question, though, which is, you know, community is typically a big part of an MBA program. And, you know, when you move to online, there's always that question mark of how, like, how will the program allow you to maintain this sort of community? Because I think, you know, I think of McDonough as being pretty known for having a great community, too. So how do you maintain that in the online setting? That's a great question. And, uh, you know, uh, somewhat related to the previous question that you asked me about why launch the online cohort, when we, uh, we did a survey of our current students and asked them, to what extent would you be interested in uh, doing your or completing your MBA in an online modality? And close to 90% of them said, we absolutely do not want to do anything with an online modality. <laughs> now, which was, you know, if you think about it, that was actually great news because that confirmed to us that there is a passionate segment out there that wants the in-person Georgetown education. Right. But when we survey prospective students, those who are not students of the school, many of them say, I would like to be at Georgetown, but I cannot get there for various reasons. And I would like to have this more flexible uh, online environment uh, for my education. So, you know, just like we see in terms of flexibility, just like we see, you know, in terms of uh, to what extent you are going to be engaging in curricular and co-curricular activities, we see that there is a continuum of need when it comes to community. There are some students who really, really, really value community, and those are the ones who will sign up for our in-person uh, flex program. Sure. There are others who value community and will find other ways of developing community, even in an online space, uh, and those are the ones who we believe will join the uh, online cohort. And so, you know, however, we know that we need to provide some impetus for people to build that community and start to build the community. So during the course of the Flex uh, uh, online uh, cohort, they will be invited to be on campus in person on three distinct occasions. So uh, the entire program will kick off with a week on campus what we call a residency. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be together doing a course, but they will also be engaged in activities around uh, team building, uh, developing, um, uh, you know, understanding each other uh, in terms of cultural and other lenses, mm -hmm. uh, and just sort of starting the process of developing their community, developing their cohort, and getting to know each other. Uh, similarly, at the beginning of the second year, they'll come back for another a week, uh, and be again in this uh, immersive one-week program on campus, which is sort of to remind them that, oh, yeah, we are part of a cohort, we are part of a community, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and to sort of reinvigorate uh, their, their community spirit uh, as, uh, as they are going through the program. Now, on these occasions when they are back on campus, we will also find opportunities to get the Flex online students to mix and mingle with the regular Flex students. 
so that they get a sense that there is a broader community, not just their online community, but there are other flex students as well. And of course, eventually, uh, you know, create the sense that they are part of the broader Georgetown or Hoya community and not just their, you know, own uh, flex community. So, you know, those two on-campus occasions will build community. And then the third signature uh, event that we have in all our MBA programs is the global consulting project where every student is required to travel for a week to visit a client uh, overseas in some country. And again, you know, they will travel together. They will spend the week together in this uh, overseas uh, environment in some other country. Uh, and at least our current students tell us that in many ways, that particular week when they are overseas in another country is the best sort of way for them to create and strengthen and really solidify uh, their their communal bonds. Mm -hmm. So we are hoping that these three opportunities will be what will uh, really create the community and make it a strong uh, bond for all of our Flex Online students. Got it. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, that sounds like those are the key ingredients, right? To bring them together at the beginning, they get to know each other and then have these touch points throughout, which really, it's probably all you need on some levels to kind of, you know, create the glue that that's sort of there um, across the cohort. I, I guess, You've sort of touched on this, but I wondered if you wanted to elaborate a little bit on the student experience in terms of like, how is it structured? You know, when are they, you know, obviously the number of courses they've got to take. Um, can you just walk us through the rough kind of blueprint of the program itself? I mean, we know that they're going to start with this week together, orientation, team building, et cetera. But then what's the sort of curricular sort of structure of this program? How do they go through it? So the the beauty of the Flex Online Design is that the curriculum is essentially exactly the same as the curriculum for the regular flex students, the in-person students. We wanted to make sure that we can promise, make that promise and deliver on that promise to our flex online students, that it is the same degree taught by the same professors with the same kind of career support that you would get uh, as if you were an in-person flex student. So the curriculum looks exactly the same. The courses are laid out in exactly the same manner. Uh, you know, there are only two differences that, uh, you know, the Flex Online students come for a week on campus and they uh, spend that week on campus. But other than that, they are uh, in the virtual environment. And similarly, they come again for a week uh, at, at the beginning of the second year. Uh, and again, after that, they go back uh, to the virtual environment. So, you know, the other part of the experience I think that is important to uh, to, you know, make sure I mention is while they are in person, they have a, a, a more human experience, let's say. Uh, but we are working with our internal uh, technology partners at Georgetown University, and they have done a, an amazing job of helping design and develop an online student experience that is as engaging, uh, you know, a, if not more in some ways, uh, compared to the uh, in-person environment. Uh, you know, not only do we use all the capabilities that Zoom offers, uh, but there are several other innovations we are working on that would create more dialogue between students, more participation of, of individual students, uh, and allow faculty to provide more pointed feedback to every student rather than to the handful of students who get feedback in a typical classroom experience. So in many ways, we believe that there will be several elements of the online virtual experience that will be highly engaging, high quality, uh, and will lead to uh, you know strong learning outcomes for these students. 
Got it. So, Shelley, I want to turn back to you to ask a question about this is kind of the age old question about, you know, people getting an MBA are often labeled as either um, career switchers who are looking to, you know, change industry or function versus career, I guess people call them advancers or accelerators, right? People looking to sort of stay where they are, but get, you know, elevated in the ranks. Um, so, it, who do you imagine would be most interested in the Flex online MBA or, or is it sort of good for both types? So I think Georgetown has historically been unique between our full-time and flex in that students who are career switchers or advancers have been able to choose between the flex or full-time. That's not always the case at other business schools. And the reason historically for, for that is that we have provided our flex MBA students access to the career center, access to on-campus recruiting in the year in which they're graduating, or access to attend career events or employer events. Uh, I definitely know business schools out there that don't allow their part-time students that access. And so we have been and have had successful flex in-person students switch careers. Now, those students have to work a little bit harder, right, because they are working full-time, they're balancing the needs of their personal life, and they're having to put forth extra effort to come to the employer sessions, to come to the networking sessions, um, to perhaps take some time off of work to come to our career days that happen every Friday in the fall. So it's not easy for a Flex MBA student to switch careers drastically, but they can do it. I think if you move to the online space, I think the Flex MBA online student is really gonna be that person that wants to advance their career that wants to accelerate the position. They really want the skills learned from our uh, phenomenal professors and they wanna interact with the high quality students that we will admit. Um, but they likely aren't the type of student that is gonna to wanna to pour their time into an on-campus experience. That's why they chose the Flex online program. Right. And so um, I think this student is, is really going to be the career advancer. Uh, and, and that's what we, that's, you know, in the conversations that we've had with the initial prospective students, that's what we're seeing as well. Got it. Okay. Prashant, I wanted to turn to you now with another, it's kind of a similar question in that, you know, in terms of who the program is for, in this case, I'm interested in geography. So what geographic areas do you anticipate receiving applicants from? Uh, so, you know, it is uh, absolutely the case that with an online program, one could imagine that the world is our oyster and we can in, uh, attract people from anywhere in the world. But we want to be a little careful with that. We want to be thoughtful in how we grow our geographic reach. So if you may, in phase one, we are going to uh, uh, essentially uh, attract uh, students who are domestic within the U.S. They could be international students who are here uh, working here or, or studying here, uh, and we would welcome them to be part of the program. Sure. But we will limit ourselves to only those students who are within the U.S., continental U.S. Uh, to a large extent, this has to do with making sure that we deliver a high-quality, engaging experience within the time zones when we will be delivering the courses that we are teaching. Uh, you know, so if we have lots of different time zones, we need to require our faculty to deliver those classes at several times during the day or for the students to take the classes in the middle of God knows what time an hour they are in. So to avoid all of those headaches, uh, for now in phase one, we are only limiting to the continental U.S. We do anticipate that soon, you know, in phase two, let's say, we will uh, expand to a, 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 a global audience but maybe within the Americas, where still the time zone looks similar. Uh, and once we have mastered all of that, we will think about 
a, a complete global reach, maybe in a phase three. Sure. So we are taking this you know, step by step, being thoughtful and cautious, and we will roll out our geographic reach uh, over time. So right now it is, and you know, by the way, the other thing I want to mention is uh, there's uh, quite a bit of research that shows that uh, a majority of the students who uh, come to a particular online program tend to live within a hundred mile radius of the physical campus. And I think there is still that affinity that people have in their mind and maybe a romantic affinity that they will one day show up on campus and experience <laughs> the real thing. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I, I think their life and their work was going to ensure that that doesn't happen too often. Uh, but if they are willing to do that, we will, of course, welcome them to be on campus and be part of any activities that we are hosting here. Got it. Okay. So, Shelley, I want to turn back to you as we kind of continue to talk about who's going to be applying. Um, the next kind of natural question is, what does the application process entail? So are you willing to kind of just walk us through, like, what are some of the components that are required to, to apply? And, and when can people start applying for this program since it literally was just announced? So what, what's the sort of um, timeline? Yeah, well, the application is live, and our first round deadline is September 28th, and next after that is January 5th, but we have three uh, and four rounds as well in the spring. Um, so feel free to start your application. You know, the application <laughs> process is very similar to our current Flex MBA um, application. So, you know, you'll fill out uh, the application form, you'll craft a, a one to two page resume highlighting really your accomplishments with your work experience um, and, and thinking about how that resume communicates to the admissions team that you will be competitive in the program, but also competitive for whatever you may do post-MBA. Um, we do look for a minimum of two years of work experience at the time that you start the program, but our average is around five or six, and we anticipate that that will remain the same for this program. We want to assess people's academic preparedness and their quantitative ability. And so we do that through your transcripts from undergrad. Um, and so we will look obviously at your cumulative GPA. We will look at any quantitative classes you may have had to take in undergrad. And we recognize that some people didn't have to take them, but, <laughs> but we'll still want to assess you know, your, your academic rigor and quantitative preparation. And so um, as we look at your transcript and evaluate those courses, we'll also seek to look potentially at other elements of your application, like a, a standardized test. So we do require the GMAT, GRE, or executive assessment for our program. Those, however, that meet certain quantitative abilities through criteria that are listed on our website may apply with a waiver to that uh, requirement. And if you see on our class profile, you'll look at middle 80th percentile ranges of our test scores, of our GPA, um, and, and really the goal is to try to understand and try to admit a class that is gonna be successful in the classroom. That's what we all want as professors and staff is to have people successfully complete and, and go on and accomplish the goals that they set out when they applied. Sure. Um, getting into some more qualitative aspects of the application, we have uh, uh, essays. Uh, we have decided at Georgetown to do something fairly unique and that we, re we have three prompts to an essay, but we require students to only choose one. Hmm. And the thought behind that is that our students are all diverse and we want to admit a diverse class. And so why have only one essay prompt that forces them to fit their picture and their value proposition into one question? And so we present three, and honestly, about a third of students you know, uh, answer each, each question. And it allows them to really think about and choose the question um, that resonates best with them. And I, I love that we made this change a few years ago. I love that, yeah. <laughs> we also require a video essay, which 
uh, initially, I think, causes same anxiety, but students, once they've completed it and submitted it, they, they love it, right? And, and it allows students to answer in one minute uh, to us about a hobby or a passion or something that they do outside of work that really um, communicates to the admissions committee what they are outside of their academic and professional uh, world. You know, at Georgetown, we value admitting the whole person and really developing the whole person. It's a part of our Jesuit values. And so why not understand in the admissions process what people are like as their whole person and not just their resume or GPA? And so that's a new change to the video essay prompt this year. And so we're really excited to see what we get. The great news is uh, people can re-record and record and re-record that video essay as much as they want until they're ready and they can submit it. So, um, so, so no pressure. But it also allows people to showcase to the entire admissions committee who they are, right? Because when they interview, um, we do have an evaluative interview component, they are just interviewing with one person. Right. Uh, but there's an entire admissions committee. And so that, that video essay really allows them to shine to the rest of the committee. Um, so, so I just alluded to it, but we do have an evaluative interview. Uh, we read your file and then we invite people to interview. So not everyone is interviewed, but you do have to be interviewed in order to be admitted. Okay. It's typically 20 or 25 minutes. We do it remote, virtually. We also are inviting people this year for on-campus interviews, and we'll be traveling to some cities to do interviews in person there. Okay. And students could be interviewed by a member of the staff, alum, or a current student. So uh, all are weighted equally, but it really gives us a chance to have um, diverse viewpoints in the admissions committee process. The last component is the recommendation. So we require one letter of recommendation. If you are applying to the FLEX program, either in person or online, we would request that that letter of recommendation be from your current supervisor because we really want your employer buying into the fact that you're going to be balancing now a, a new aspect of your life. Um, and so should there be a, a need for you to leave work early a couple days or maybe take off a day, we want them a part of this process but also we want them to recognize that uh, they're developing their own employees by allowing them to do this. They are gonna have more qualified employees um, who can bring what they're learning in the classroom back to the office. And so it's a true benefit to the employer. Um, so, you know, we look forward to reviewing people's applications. We do have application webinars that they can attend both virtually and on campus. So please check out our website. We'd love to have you attend those and answer any more questions that you have about the process. Shelly, thanks for sharing all the components. I mean, that sounds, you know, similar to what we see at most MBA programs, although I do love the, the fact that you're allowing people to choose an essay. Um, the use of video is great as well. And, and obviously one recommendation letter from a current employer who's going to, as you said, you know, be basically investing in um, the person's skill set. That's a much easier pitch. I remember when I personally had to make a pitch to my, my boss about leaving work to go full time. That's a whole different thing. So um, online in your own time, part time, that's Sounds great. Uh, I did want to um, ask Prashant a question, which is, what's you know one of the things that I think is going to be on people's mind is is the quality or the admissions approach going to be different for people doing the online version of this you know Flex MBA or is it or you know are the admissions standards going to be identical? Uh, the the absolutely the admission standards are going to be identical. That was an important criteria we wanted to uh, include. Uh, as we designed the Flex Online uh, uh, program, that the profile of the individual who was going to join the Flex Online uh, cohort 
would be identical to that of the regular flex in-person cohort. Uh, you know, these are individuals with similar work experiences, similar profiles, mm -hmm. similar career aspirations. Uh, and, and this was important to us to make sure that we preserve the brand and the reputation of the brand, uh, both for prospective students uh, and employers, but also for our current students in the uh, in-person cohorts, uh, that they should have no uh, uh, con concern that there is a dilution uh, of the education or of the brand that they are uh, earning uh, through their hard work. So yeah, absolutely, it's going to be a similar profile. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so taking a step back, Prashant, one kind of final question I had is, what are some upcoming goals for the MBA and McDonough as a whole? I mean, I'm kind of chuckling as I ask this question, just because you guys seem to be doing a lot and really, you know, innovating. And, you know, as I said, at the top of this um, show, you know, you guys are one of the first kind of leading MBA programs to do, to do online. There are only a small number of kind of top, top programs that do online MBA. So um, clearly you're early to that and which is fantastic, but what are some of the other kind of upcoming goals? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and we are, uh, if anything, we are ambitious uh, and we want to do a lot. Uh, we have done a lot in the last uh, five years since our current dean, uh, Dean Paul Almeida, took over. Uh, you know, I, I think the best way to think about what we are, uh, what we have done, and what we are up to is to think of three pillars uh, that guide our strategic decisions. Uh, the first is we strongly believe in continuous innovation on the curricular side. Uh, you know, we have rolled out four new MBA certificates. Uh, we have rolled out uh, several new initiatives on the undergraduate side uh, in terms of new majors and new minors and so on. So there's continuous uh, curricular uh, in, in innovation that's going on. The second pillar is we are looking for steady growth uh, in, our, in the business school. Uh, so that has led to us adding uh, several new programs like the uh, Master of Science in Business Analytics, Master of Science in Environmental Sustainability and Business. Uh, we are looking to add uh, a couple of new uh, uh, degrees uh, as well in terms of specialized master's programs. We've launched a couple of uh, undergraduate degrees that are joint degrees between the business school at, at Georgetown and the broader university. Mm -hmm. So there's you know steady growth that we want to have that just uh, allows us to uh, showcase uh, the, the unique aspects of our education. And that really is the third uh, strategic pillar that, that guides us, which is to create distinctive excellence. And for us, distinctive excellence comes from uh, really three sources, our presence in DC and access to all of the local players in DC mm. uh, that gives a, 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 a business plus education rather than a business only education. Uh, the second source uh, of distinctiveness is uh, being part of a very collaborative university where uh, people across different colleges and different programs uh, work together very well. And, you know, as you may know, Shelley has been leading an initiative of a new uh, environmental science focused uh, business degree that is a joint degree between us and an initiative at the university, the, the Earth Commons Initiative. Uh, and the third source of distinctiveness for us is our uh, long-standing Jesuit heritage. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, what we are really trying to do is to have continuous innovation in the curriculum, steady growth in our programs, and creating distinctive excellence in everything we do. 
And so that is really leading us to think about what we want to do and where we want to have an impact. And there, we have been really thinking about five areas where we want to have specific uh, growth in one form or the other. Uh, so area number one, which is a long-standing area of differentiation, is we want to be uh, unequivocally, I don't want to use the word best, but certainly one of the leading global business schools in the world, mm -hmm. that we provide uh, one of the, the most well-rounded global business education. So that's area number one. Area number two is, and this is something many business schools are doing now, is focus on sustainable business. But again, bring a Georgetown flavor to that. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we think about sustainable business by bringing to the table business people, of course, but also policymakers, regulators, politicians, diplomats, all of the unique individuals that we can assemble because we are in, in Washington, D.C. So how can we inform the education around sustainability by bringing this uh, diverse cohort uh, in, in, into the educational mix? Mm -hmm. The third area of growth we are focusing on is uh, AI and its impact on the future of work. But again, we want to look at it from the lens of who we are. And particularly if we apply the Jesuit lens on it, it becomes not just the future of work, but how do we preserve the dignity of work? Mm -hmm. What does technology have to say about the dignity of work? And how do we think about that? How do we do the research in that, but also how do we do the education on that? So that's area number three. Area four is an aspirational area. We haven't started much work on it, but we are looking to do it soon. And that is the business of health. It is one of the biggest areas. COVID has clearly told us that that's a huge area that we need to be thinking of. And we have started the work on that, laying the groundwork on it. And hopefully in a few years, we will launch a major initiative around that. Mm -hmm. And finally, the fifth area where you know we have been uh, dabbling on and off, uh, and we I think we are close to a a more cohesive strategy is around entrepreneurship, but more broadly speaking, not entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurialism within any company. Mm -hmm. You know, how can a company become more entrepreneurial? Uh, and so, you know, we are focusing not on startups and, and small businesses per se, but we are focusing more on how does any company, big and small, uh, become more entrepreneurial in its thinking and its strategic uh, work. So that's sort of, you know, what the future of McDonough looks like. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, you know, I kind of expected, <laughs> I, I would have, wouldn't have been surprised for, for me to hear you say, well, look, we just, you know, <laughs> have launched all these new initiatives. <laughs> we're we're going to just sit back a bit, but no, I mean, there sounds like there's a lot that you guys have um, in the pipeline, which is fantastic. Um, so I did want to thank you both for all of your time today. I, I know I feel very much up to speed on the online Flex MBA offering now. And I feel like, you know, everyone who's tuned in to the episode here um, definitely will feel the same way. So Shelly and Prashant, I want to just, um, you know, thank you so much for, for your time today. And Shelly, I guess start with you, because, you know, it was really nice of you to have this idea to get, get both you and Prashant, um, you know, to talk about this. So I appreciate that. So thanks for making time. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having us on. And we're excited at the future of what McDonough holds and look forward to um, everyone coming on the journey with us. Yeah, Prashant, same. I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Graham. It was a pleasure speaking with you and, and look forward to many more occasions like this. Yeah, so that will do it for this episode. I want to um, remind everyone to stay tuned for weekly episodes of the Clear Admit MBA Admissions podcast. And remember to rate and review the show wherever you listen.